The horror movie podcast that covers all the franchises one movie in one episode at a time. As always, I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and as has been the case here for these Saws episodes, they are mega-sized. We have a massive crew with us once again joining us as she has her every Saw episode. And she's done so as a true champ, like under the weather for a bunch of them, but she's come back. Because she's our resident saw expert, Miss Ariel Powers Shab. Ariel, how are we? I'm doing great. I'm sticking with this like the loyalty Amanda showed. I will sh- I will die by the pot in the pendulum saw episodes. Yeah. Now you're not jigsaw sick. You're not like I need someone to feed me <laughs> a squeeze box and get like a lie on a gurney sick. I was gonna get the gurney out for this episode, but I thought it might be a bit much. No, oh, it might be a so. little bit too much. I still can set up my own traps. Thank okay. you very much. Speaking of which, are the in-laws there building the traps this weekend? No, because uh, they were supposed to be uh, listeners. Little background: my in-laws were gonna come build a Saw City style extension on our basement today, but um, they had to reschedule, so no okay. traps are being built on this That's day. That's a bummer. Was yeah. looking forward to seeing some of that. Yeah, I do live in Saw City, so that is Excellent. true. With us again from the Bodies of Horror podcast, Nicole Goble. Nicole, how are we? Great, doing great. Glad to be back. You're always a pleasure to have you back. And here again to defend his main man, Hoffman, from the Spectre Cinema Club, Mr. Devon Taylor. Devon, what's going on? Hello, hello, and uh, hey, we're all here. We're all here for the duel uh, for the fate of Saw City. We got, you know, Special Agent Frank Strom, or Peter Strom, versus Lieutenant Detective Hoffman. It's going down. It's going all 12 rounds, and uh, who knows how it's going to end. So um, I'm stoked. Hasn't been a bigger match of heavyweights since maybe Tyson Holyfield or Hogan Andre at WrestleMania three. I mean, clearly we, we are we are packing the the meat factory in Saw City. This the the tickets have been sold out for months. Uh, this is uh, Thrilla Manila's got nothing on a duel for the fate of Saw City. Sunday, Excellent. Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And with us once again as a special guest, she joined us for I believe it was Saw two. From Ghouls Magazine, Miss Cat Hughes. Cat, how are we doing? I am. Um, I am very well. I am uh, keen to get back. I I love a group trap. Uh, so yeah, I am back yeah. again. So and there's we five were... of us. We got the fatal five <gasps> today. Yes. Oh no. Uh, the key, everyone. We have to work together to mm, get through I this episode. I oh, refuse. great. Thanks. Well, then we're <laughs> fucked. Excellent. <laughs> So, before we actually talk about Saw 5, 
question for the panel. Saw 10 tickets, socks tickets. Are they procured? Are yes. we good? I bought one for Thursday evening and one for Friday afternoon. <laughs> I love that. I haven't gotten one yet. We got, I got me and me and Garrett are coordinating, but I'm sure there'll be at least uh, a, a couple of viewings in there oh. for sure. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, Scott? I'm doing the Thursday and Friday circuit as well. So I submitted a little uh, time off request for work. I did, gave no detail. I just said, uh, I have something Same. and it's very, <laughs> very an important on Friday. So please <laughs> do not schedule this meeting. Thank you. <laughs> the That's utmost great. importance. <laughs> How about yourself, Kat? I am seeing it on Wednesday at a press screening that I, well, it's, it's a horror influencer screener that I managed to blag my way into because I used to work for Lionsgate and I said to my friend that still works there, like, why aren't press being allowed to see this film in the UK? Mm -hmm. And apparently they've gone all in on influencer culture and couldn't care less about journalists writing about it. Um, so he has managed to wrangle me a ticket. So I'm going to have to make myself look fancy so that I don't uh, show my true colours at that screening. <laughs> Just take a lot of selfies, I think. I don't know. Exactly. I'm just going to hold my phone in front of my face for the whole time. Like, even during the films, can have my phone there. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, she, she, she belongs. Do, do they let... in? I hate influencer culture so much. Yes. I hate... I recently discovered what TikTok is, and I hate it so much. I hate TikTok voice. Like, every creator has, like, TikTok voice. I can't stand it. Um do they let influencers like record during like the, is it like, like allowed or even encouraged because that is the. No. So, but this is, so before the pandemic, I used to go to press screenings and if you so much as thought about looking at your phone, one of the security guys would be like on you being like, put that away. Like I okay. remember like my, my Fitbit being mistaken for a phone once I sort of moved my arm and they caught like the light in the darkness and they're like, put your phone away. It's like, it is away. Um, and now that's still supposed to happen, but something's changed since the pandemic and the amount of times I have been in, I was in um, a press screening for uh, Rob Savage's The the Bogeyman and um there was somebody just in like the corner of my eye a few rows in front of me who was on their phone and I just kept looking for the security guard like where's this guy that's going to take this person down and worse still Rob Savage was like sat like the top of the row behind me so he would have also been able to see that somebody was on their phone during his film oh, no. which is just rude um because also the way it used to work before the pandemic is the influencers would have their screening where they would get given like free booze and swag and photo ops and then there would be a press screening where we would be lucky if we got a bottle of water when yeah. we got into the screen uh but that was fine you know that you know we we know our place uh, but the then popcorn since the... that spilled after last yeah. screening 
cleaning you can we yeah exactly exactly and you know we're, we're happy for it you know we appreciate it um but then since the pandemic studios over here have got quite tight and so now it's let's put everybody in together and so what used to be a six for six thirty is now six for seven or six for seven thirty or there's one coming up soon which is five thirty for seven fifteen which is longer than the film that it's for uh so that the influencers can have time to take their selfies and to to record their content and it's just very it's very irritating i remember going to nope and it started like 15 minutes late because there was some influencer that really wanted to get their like promotional picture and i have a i have a child i have a home to get back to you know i I don't i don't don't have time for that so yeah i i saw an influencer video where she was trying to film at the london tube and people kept walking behind their picture because you know they're doing things like going to work or going home to see their families or doing their things and she got like how dare these people not let me film for like 30 seconds and and people like people are going to work they don't have time for this like well how dare you can't be nice to a pretty girl like number one like you're not that pretty and number two like you don't get points just because you are like people have shit to do um i hate that so much that whole culture just i mean i'm aging myself as i speak but i don't mind it like do your thing or whatever but yeah don't expect everyone else to like accommodate you and like you know stop what they're doing to like do it like you know like get get what you need to do and like however you get it is however you get it like you know because i've i've seen that before too like of people being like they're like hey can you can you not and i was like like uh, I was like, no, I, I can actually because yeah. this is a sidewalk. Uh, what do you, public what space, do you think that John Jiggs would have to say about someone filming on a sidewalk? He'd he would, let Amanda do her thing. He would, he would let Amanda do her thing. It would be an unwinnable trap. Like there'd be like, nope, this is condonable murder. What if there was a conveyor belt style trap that just removed all their eyes? <laughs> like just like you see just like 30 influencers mm-hmm. on a conveyor belt just popping the eyeballs like, out boop, boop. like if if saw 10 is successful and they make a saw 11 or we're, we're gonna preemptively call slevin where that's we're giving it its name now it's gonna be called slevin if it's about influencers it would be a i would i would take a week off and just go every day for a week uh be like the the trap would be like you would have to get rid of your phone for one day like that would be the trap. Otherwise, you die a horrible death. And they—I mean, I'm not sure they can. Like, I think like ten minutes would still be yeah. a test for them. You know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm approaching fifty. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Cat, as our guest, what were your initial thoughts on Saw Five? Like, what was it that jumped out about you? Did you catch it in theaters like some of the others? Like, you had a great story about seeing saw two alone because your then boyfriend like was a big scaredy cat and wouldn't go with you what about well, wasn't this he wasn't a scaredy cat he was just a snob and oh. it was very much you know looking down his nose at a, that sort of the, the saw sort of horror film mm-hmm. um by saw five it was uh halloween time tradition that me and my mum would go to the cinema opening weekend to to watch it and I would spend the preceding days before it uh, living in Saw City each night uh, catching up with what was going on and I mean I have Stockholm Syndrome with this series it's like the Fast and the Furious series they can do anything and I would just go thank you like yes this is is what it is Um, so yeah I, I quite liked yeah 
I quite liked five and it has got you know it's got the the greatest battle in in horror since Freddy versus Jason hasn't it with with Strom and Hoffman it's that's that's what people are here to see did did I hear you say you went with your mum yeah, so me and my mum, yeah, from three onwards, we have seen like all of the sort of films uh, in the cinema together, yeah. That is wonderful family time. I cannot imagine my mom going to these. I wish she would. Um, but that is just a wonderful family night out. I love that for you. Yeah, well, she was a... She was a single mum in the in the eighties, and she was a she was a teenager at the start of the eighties. And her and her cousins would rent all of the video nasties and like watch them together and stuff. So she was big into big into horror and like, the amount of nights where I was like when I was younger, I had I basically looked like Carol Ann from Poltergeist, and mm-hmm. I would sleepwalk as well so she would be sat watching some horror film and then like carol ann would walk in and she'd just be like just sit on the sofa and she would just let me watch bits of whatever she was watching Mm -hmm. until she was kind of like this might be a little bit inappropriate for her and then i'd get sort of tried back to back to my bedroom so yeah we've we've always watched horror together since like i was like young enough to not really remember it happening uh so yeah yeah we've we've yes it's bonded us you mentioned like Stockholm syndrome, like, all right, you can do whatever you want. What was the point where you're like, okay, these movies aren't necessarily good movies. Like no one's going to say in the Academy would like to congratulate, but you're like, I don't care. They're still really fun movies. I think it was probably later on than five i think it was probably it's probably seven i kind of found myself having to defend seven a little bit more than i necessarily expected Mm -hmm. to i think the 3d gimmick and the fact it was the last one for a little while i kind of think that that was the one where i was like yeah but it's saw and they did this and this character was there and we haven't seen them for a while and yeah, and I thought, you know, it was a similar scenario with, you know, with Jigsaw and Spiral. Basically, as soon as you play me, you know, Hello Zep, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Got it. <laughs> and Nicole, last time we uh, talked, you mentioned you also have like a really great tradition around seeing the Saw films. And was Saw 5 like oh, yeah. part of that? Uh, I've seen all of them in theaters. Um, and the there's a regal theater here that every october they play the original saw um they have like a a screening and the last um handful of years has been pretty empty um but i know when i first started going to them uh there would be quite a good crowd and it, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it's always a nice mix, I think, when you get a film like that. Because you, you know, you get the people who are, you know, fans of the franchise and just really like to go back and watch the first one. And then you have them bringing along the unsuspecting friend, partner, whomever, to be like, oh, let's watch this. And... It's all you can just tell, um, you know, as they're walking out, who is who amongst the crowd, um, and so you kind of want to do like a a poll with everyone to be like, did you see yep. this coming? 
Um. <laughs> and were you, were you genuinely excited for Saw Five upon its release, or was it like, "Yep, this is something that I have. I'm I'm in. I just have to go." Like it's like Chris. It's like Thanksgiving at the relatives. You know, you're like, "Got to do it. It's tradition." Or you're like, "No, can't wait." First, well, I there's always going to be kind of a sense of duty with it um, because I think mm-hmm. that's just what Jigsaw would want. But I think that it, it is just there's a lot of fun with it and I was really looking forward to this one. You know, I think that for the first three, I think are pretty great, um, especially as like a package. Um, and four is kind of a, a slight outlier but I still really like it. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're starting to get into some tumultuous waters for folks um, where, um, you know, maybe the films aren't hitting as hard as they did. But I was very pumped uh, for five because I thought that, you know, we we were now getting some characters that I was excited to see what twist and turns they would take us on. Mm-hmm. And Ario yourself, like this would have been kind of the middle of crack and open the box set, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, I loved four. I loved the ending of four. I thought it was really exciting. So I went straight into five, which then makes you want to go straight into six. Um, I always watch it when I do my rewatch, and I always have more fun than I think I will. It's not high up in my rankings, but I certainly don't dislike it. Um, I think the stuff with Hoffman is interesting, um, and like this is where we kind of learn his his backstory, his origin story with Jigsaw, and I think that is very like illuminating more of like where Jigsaw is coming from. Um, the The traps in this movie, the traps are good themselves, but I don't so much. I'm not invested in the story of the people who are involved, but it does give us like some really good traps, especially the 10 pints of sacrifice at the end. So, um, you know, not my favorite to me feels like the middle of a trilogy where stuff's just kind of happening, but an excellent bridge between two movies that I do love, four and six. So I got no problem with Saw 5. And Devon, this is where your guy takes center stage. So you must yes. be pumped. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, I was I was upset that I couldn't do four because um, I thought that you get, like the recording time was like during a thing. But then it, it like around the time that I was like, damn, I totally could have done this episode because like four, I appreciated a little bit more uh, than I did before. Kind of this chunk because I remember whenever I did like my first Saw Marathon. Um, I, I did like it, you know, I did it in one blow, like I was, I was going, but then it was like around five is I remember is like when I started getting a little sleepy, things started getting a little hazy and like, like for a while, like until I rewatched them, like I couldn't like really even distinguish five and six. But, um, but now, now that I've like done another rewatch, completely not the case. Um, and five is very interesting because yeah, like kind of like you guys said, like, um, I don't think this is a bad film. Um, cause I know a lot of people when they talk about the franchise, they'll be like, Oh, one, two, uh, and three are good. And then the rest suck. But then, and then, you know, six has its like own cult following itself. And, um, but then it's like, you know, so I feel like five, like four five and seven, I feel like are the ones that are getting looped in with the shitty sequels, quote unquote. 
and I don't think and they're bad. I think they're just not uh, as you know they're they're a different style and not the same as uh, that the first three uh, film arc. Uh, and yeah, and and with when you come to a fifth movie in a franchise, it's either you're gonna go bigger. Um, and this one actually takes it back a little bit because we're already big. This is Saw, <laughs> you know, so it's like um, four being kind of a victory lap for Darren Lynn Bowsman, um, you know, was very stylish, very gory. This one kind of cuts back on both of those and uh, and is where we're kind of deepening the, the Saw lore. And that's where I think um, is um, that's that's what I use to hook people into the series. I'm like. I'm like, okay, the gore, yes, it's there, but, like, it's whatever. Like, we're here for this soapy, twisty, you know, uh, story here. And, like, that's what I try to loop people in with. I'm like, and this is where it really starts getting fun. Um, I think the retcons in this do work better than later films. Um, I think they actually do a very good job of, like, paying off a lot of stuff that was planted in 4. I didn't realize how like closely connected those two were and like kind of watching them back to back this week. I was like, oh, I was like, they, they like they were they had a plan in mind somewhat. Um, I know somebody has a note about like kind of being a little feeling a little aimless and I do feel that. But they did have somewhat of a plan. And uh, yeah, this is a this is the spy versus spy entry of the series. Um, uh, it's kind of like the dad movie entry of the series because like. Who, what else is more dad movie than an FBI agent versus a detective? Like, I mean, that's just, like, kind of funny. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I appreciate it again. And then, yes, once I got on uh, the Hoffmanator train um, of him being my, my top jigsaw apprentice, uh, especially afterwards, uh, around the time, too, when I did another rewatch, uh, William Bibiani, who I don't know if he's been on this show, but if you're listening, you know who Bibbs is. Bibbs is great. Uh, wrote an article uh, about Hoffman being the, the true champion of the Saw franchise. And then that's when I was like, you know what? You are 100% right. Um, I, I'm here for, for my boy Hoffman. Uh, back-to-back wins in four and five, honestly. Like, you know, he, he like he's he, he's shooting real nice. He's feeling himself. And, um, and uh, it's just uh, it's very interesting to to kind of see what they did with his character versus Amanda's character. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this one, it's not great, but I think it's underappreciated, though. Yeah. I, I'm definitely looking forward to discussing the episodic nature of this yes. one and where it slots in. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. And I like that analogy of this being a dad movie because you have, like, <laughs> FBI versus dirty cop. Like, there is... <laughs> Yeah, Classic. there is something to that. Um, the only thing missing is a fight about jurisdiction. Oh, that's right. Yes, like jurisdiction is not mentioned once in this yeah. film, and that is the one letdown. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is so funny because I remember as a kid, yeah. I was like, "What the hell is jurisdiction? Like, what does this mean? It must be important." It's yeah. my favorite thing when cops in movies argue about jurisdiction. <laughs> Strom talking to himself throughout the movie too is so it's just it's unintentionally hilarious like it really you is. were supposed to be the hero uh <laughs> do you think I, fbi agents do that i feel like they would narrate to themselves if they're maybe. by themselves on a case i would do that i narrate Especially, to myself doing nothing <laughs> like if your partner's not there like you gotta talk it through with somebody i watched this movie this week while i was sick and it was such an easy watch because Strom just told me everything what was happening. Sure. I didn't have to think. 
He's kind of narrating. He's like a voiceover without a voice. Now we're going to go great. look at these files. And mm-hmm. these files tell us this. I, you know, I had this in my movie notes, uh, but I'll say it here. I appreciate how heavily the Saw series leans into the all law enforcement are idiots. They are just no no cop comes off is is intelligent in any of these like even Strom's like superior Erickson like when he he looks like cat you have a ch- a child so we're parents when your child takes something that they're not supposed to and you catch them mid act and they're like that wide eyed and they start lying and babbling like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I just came to get some stuff and then I'm going to do what you said. Rest. Yep. I need to recover. Rest thought, in R. I thought you were going to mention like your kid wearing a Bluetooth headset. I was going <laughs> to say he is Mr. Bluetooth, you know. <laughs> oh, so just like the cops are so dumb and, the, and like eric said it's just so easy to fool just like even when strom is doing dumb. something smart he's still coming off dumb mm-hmm. like that's right. a hilarious thing about strom like he, he's he'll have like a like thing and it's just like man you're, you're such a dumb dumb you're doing so yeah. much right now it's like he's great. actually right to chase hoffman but he does it very dumbly <laughs> yes. and, and yes. dies for it so yes Dies oh, a God. brutal and completely justified we, the, death. This was... I was going to hmm? say, just going off of what you guys are saying about kind of the incompetence of police force, of all ilks, really being emphasized here. Do we think that this is kind of in a point where um, using, I think, a, a word that Devon use which i think is kind of perfect which is soapy um do we think that that kind of like emphasizes the soapiness of it kind of leans it more in that direction than what it's been previously that's a great point i really like that yeah i would agree with that i would agree that like the stupidity of the law enforcement definitely lends it to the soapy and over-the-top nature of the the franchise i mean just the image <laughs> just the image of hoffman uh walking out of the building when the the police and uh paramedics arrive carrying the kid with the straightest face possible <laughs> and he like has her and just hands her off to somebody without even like looking at her he just goes it's gonna be okay and then yeah. hands her off to it's somebody like- like the, it's so aware of like the soap like, like aesthetic to it and, and it leans so hard into it's it. It's like Law and Order. It's a moment from Law and Order. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here you go, kid. You're now an orphan. All right. Take on. And, Here's you your know, comfort blanket. It's gonna so, be okay. This is so Nicole, like you asked last episode, like, could they bring back the kid from Saw Two? And Probably not because like this movie takes place or Saw 10 takes place in between Saw 1 and 2. So they couldn't do that. But it wouldn't shock me if in Slevin that (laughs) they bring back the girl from Saw 5 as like a new apprentice or a new jigsaw of sorts. Right. Like you could do that now, like enough time has passed. Yes. But I'm saying like when you go to Saw Oh, saw 11. Saw and now 11. we're, you know, and mm-hmm. she's like taken down, like maybe some like 
true crime influencer is like diving into her becoming an orphan and she's like all right into the into the gritty trap with you kiddo like i could totally see them going in that direction that's what i want the book of saw to be i want the book of saw Mm -hmm. to be these random characters from throughout the franchise the 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 janitor like he he's got some beef and uh, tangentially connected to john Mm -hmm. like you said like this little girl like uh the the wife from four um what if uh she now has a renewed uh energy you know for lust for life and then she takes it Mm -hmm. too far like those are the book of saw movies i want like uh I, i i would be fine like as much as i do like the the interconnectivity of the franchise we get plenty of that you know in the mm-hmm. in this first you know 10 movie run i hope yeah. after that we just do kind of get a little bit more anthology styled i i can't wait to get to spiral i really enjoy spiral mm-hmm. and i will be it's like the defender and nicole i think you will have my sword when it comes to that one um i do feel like part five in franchises is where things often drop off a cliff a bit when you look at like you go from like the final chapter in friday the 13th to like a new beginning it is a pretty steep drop off it's also what i named my counseling company was a new beginning which i didn't mean to do but uh jason i love that. I, I do too kind of and jason takes manhattan was taken <laughs> as an llc apparently um what about cherish your life after jill's clinic and this, oh my goodness and this I, is saw a new beginning because this is mm-hmm. you know the ascension of uh the reign of hoffman so it like, really, this really is. is saw the new beginning this the is the dream child yeah which is a huge drop off from part four the dream master the dream master which i love i like dream master more than dream warrior sometimes not every time but sometimes and Halloween 5 is a pretty big, as, as much as I'm like Justice for Tina as a whole, like it's a pretty big drop off. Rocky 5 doesn't exist. Yes, and, it does. Uh, and it's it better, Devon, yes, it does. I was like, Devon is going to be on this Rocky yeah. 5 shenanigan race. Uh, Leprechaun it, in the Hood is uh, the fifth entry. That's, uh, that's a good time. So good they had okay. to go back. I've never seen I have, So good they had. So good that they went back have, to the hood. <laughs> I have never seen a Leprechaun movie. Me and I either. May never. I oh, may never. Oh. Well, it is a so. franchise, Mike. There's I know. like eight of them right now. Yeah. Life is too short for us to cover the Leprechaun series. Like, I have a limited amount of time. Is that a short joke? We all do. In, is, no, I'm very short, so I am also very short. I have students that I used to, like, pick on for being short that are now way taller than me and i have to help them hang my decorations in my office so um there you go again i am the butt of life's joke um anyway rocky five doesn't exist that is the that is the uh tagline of the show if you take nothing else time nicole we ready to talk background i'm sorry (laughs) try that again aria we ready to talk background Sure, I was like, yeah, go for it, Nicole. I don't know. How did this how did this come together? (laughs) Yes. So, um, it's directed by David Hackle in his directorial debut. He previously served as the production designer of Saw 2, 3, and 4, and he was the second unit director for Saw 3 and Saw 4. Full disclosure, I don't actually know what a second unit director does. I'm sure I could Google it, but the point here being 
He's been on lots of Saw movies, and so he is another part of the strong creative consistency of this franchise. Second unit is like the more like uh, kind of technical stuff. Um, they'll okay. handle, and if often, if there's like a shooting day where you have to be shooting two different things at once, um, the second unit director will lead yeah. like one crew while the main director has another. But yeah, it's mainly like action cool. and like technical kind of stuff. Yep. Cool. See, I come to this podcast to learn, and learn I do. So, Hackle spoke about the fast-paced writing process, and we've talked about that on previous episodes, where they're, like, writing stuff on napkins up to the end of the day. So, he said, We have about a week to write the outline, then the script by the end of the month. We're really just throwing down the ideas now, and it's coming together quickly. I've been with Darren on all of the sequels. We've always arrived just before Christmas with a script that needed a lot of shakedown, but before shooting, the script is really tight. Right until the last days of filming, we're always changing things and adjusting things, just seeing what works as the story unfolds, and I think that's why people like them, because we never let them rest. We don't go into pre-production with a white script and say, that's it, no changes. We push it so there's no holes. And again, this this story came from a screenplay by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who wrote four. So I'll ask this to Kat and to Devon, because I made this comment last week. I feel like Melton and Dunstan don't write good movies. They might write fun movies, but they're like doing Piranha Triple D and the Collector movies and... Uh, the Feast movies, which aren't necessarily phenomenal films, but they're fun to watch. Am I off base? Like, where do you feel about Melton and Dunstan as like a writing team? I enjoy I enjoy the collector films. Uh, they um, Marcus also did uh, The Neighbor with um, Alex Esso and I've forgotten his name, Ooh. but the dude from The Collector. Um, which is, it's got some horror aspects to it, but it's more sort of like thriller, uh, neighbor next door, up to no good sort of thing. So uh, I think they can do some slightly different things. But I mean, I just have to take my hat off to them for making this thing all work. Because as we've mentioned, you know, these series, this series gets wrecked on to death. And that's... (laughs) I know that Ariel has, you know, like has her own little boards of Saw City and stuff. And just imagine what their board is trying to be like, right, okay, we've got to do another Saw film. How, how we've we've just unmasked Hoffman as as new Jigsaw. How, where did this happen? And I think that's why most of Five is just explaining that, like, stay with us, guys. We 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 we've got this. I mean, I would I would agree. Um, I mean, just by like, I guess those those quotes, you know, it's like, you know, like you can kind of feel that that they're just like feeling it. You know, they're just like, yeah, we're making Saw movies. This is fun. Then like, hey, like, 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 uh, let's throw this wild idea out and see if we can like retrofit it to like connect back. Like, I can just, like, see these two, like one of them, like crunching a beer can, throwing it in a trash can and then being like. Hoffman survives in the trap and then he's like oh <laughs> shit uh you know how, how okay how do we get there now <laughs> you know like I kind of can feel that um in the way that this uh movie comes together and like you know I, I feel like they just like have an awareness of the the kind of you know pocket of you know horror that they're in and being like hey yeah we're not we're not you know making 
you know, Hitchcock here. Like we're we're making Saw movies and we're having a good time with it. And like, and and I can kind of feel that. And I think that energy like is partly like that what continues, you know, uh, to push through the, the uh, four, five, and six. You know, once they uh, kind of come in and start writing. Excellent thing. I also the only thing I have to add is like Marcus Dunstan has phenomenal hair. Yes. That's all I really had to add to that. Like yes. just A plus hair. And he's liked my tweets about his movies a couple yeah. of times. And so I feel like yeah. that means he would come on the podcast and talk to us. Maybe. That's a possibility. I've interviewed I've I've interviewed him. I interviewed him for the neighbor and he's 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 lovely. Oh, yeah. I mean it was a fo- it, it was a phone in it, it was a phone interview from like the stairwell in the office I was working at at the time because like time zones meant I was doing these interviews uh, when I was at work. So I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm just going to the toilet." for like 20 minutes no questions don't please. ask and i would <laughs> i would just sit on a stairwell and with on speakerphone and and interview a vast array of people and he was he was great but he was one of those people where you get to ask two questions to in 20 mm-hmm. minutes because he just goes off and answers like 20 questions with what he's saying and then the the pr's like right your time's up it's like but but so okay. yeah, he he is great. But I mean, if he comes on the pod, selling guys, because okay. he's gonna be there for a long time. <laughs> that's well, how he writes movies that's... too. And another thing, <laughs> yeah, that's... exactly, exactly. Kind of our shtick is to go long, so I think he'll yeah. fit right in. Like he'll be co-hosting by next year if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ari, sorry to jump in there. Don't let your dreams be dreams. So David Hackle said something that has been said on pretty much every Saw movie since three. He wanted to bring a more emotional context to the film. So the audience would have an emotional investment in the characters and in the traps. Without that, Hackle felt the traps would be just like any gory horror film, which he did not want. They say this about three, four and five. We're going to do the emotional thing this time. Was that successful here or what? I literally laughed no. so hard when I saw this note because, like, I was like, oh, my God, yes, they have been saying this for the past three movies, and it's so funny. Um, and, you know, he, like, one, I love that uh, Hackle, you know, got, uh, you know, grandfathered into the director's chair. That's super, uh, super fun. I, I love it when uh, franchises kind of do that. You know, they have different roles and make it to the director's seat. That's super cool. Um, but, yeah, um, uh no, the this one is maybe the least emotional one uh, that we've covered <laughs> so far. Um, it, like like this, you know, it does have a you know interesting test of morality and stuff to it. But there's nothing really emotional going in. This is uh you know the battle of egos between cop man and you know agent guy, and you know that that's what we're dealing with here. There's nothing really too emotional going on. This so I would say. Like, uh, again, rewatching four, I was kind of surprised on like kind of how much that one was did uh, have a little bit more emotion in it than I remembered. Uh, this one, yeah, no, is is kind of the least uh, emotional out of any of them, I'd say. Yeah, I think that the more that they say that, the less they may mean it, because I think <laughs> it feels like yeah, a bit. because I think with three and four. I mean, I think that you are, it's hard. And I think that instead of just saying we want it to have this center of emotionality, we want you to invest in these characters and actually care when they're in these traps. 
they're not really creating any relationships. Everything was just kind of pinned mm-hmm. on Jigsaw and really kind of the Amanda dynamic as well. Um, I think for the first three. Um, and then you kind of have the cookover effect of four. And now that you're starting to get yourself away from that, they're not really thinking about, okay, well, now we need to actually have these characters build other relationships so that these people mean something, that these little places that we go now mean something to to new jigs. And I think that that's kind of a... If there's one shortcoming that, you know, if you could go back and, and really, like, poke at someone and say, no, 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 maybe do this, try to actually have a character come in where there's a dynamic. I think they try it with some of the, like, partners. That's always kind of the shorthand that they do with the police partner pairs. Mm-hmm. But it just, it becomes kind of like weak key. Um, it just doesn't really mm-hmm. do much anymore so i think now it's time to you know shut up and put up yeah i don't think this one is particularly emotional i think you know devon was right it's it's ego it's not just strom and hoffman but also the people in the trap it's all of their egos competing together i mean even now i'm i'm looking at like my notes and i'm struggling to remember the names of any of the people in in the trap it's we don't they're very much kind of the background of this mm-hmm. whereas you look back to to Saul it was very much a story about Gordon and and Adam and their relationship and it was emotional you did feel for these these poor strangers who you know weren't necessarily that in in this awful situation but by five it's like more meat for the grinder in you yeah. go yeah, I feel like this is an incredibly, it shows an incredible <laughs> lack of self-awareness when you make a statement like this for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, like the, the the evidence is on screen that this is not a very emotional film. That like you just said, Kat, like I cannot remember the names of any of the characters that were in the trap. And I'm someone who, like, really enjoys Julie Benz as a performer. Yes. Uh, especially from Buffy and Angel. Like, her performance as Starla is iconic. Love her. Can't remember the character's name, so I'll just refer to her as, like, Julie Benz in a really unfortunate wig for the rest of this episode. Um, so that's on one hand. Like, this is not an emotional film. But the other thing is, like, soft fans aren't coming to these movies for an emotional story. They might be coming because they like, they want the story to continue. Like what's going to carry on? What will the twist be? But what would have gotten fans excited is for Hackle to say, we have a trap that is basically going to allow the contents of the human body to fit into a Taco Bell crunch wrap after. And as a fan, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I am going to this movie. Like that would get people excited. So it's just that lack of awareness of why people are coming. 
he I, I just love thinking of uh hackle imagining like oh audience members just crying during saw five because it's so emotional uh that's what i want to do i am imagining martin scorsese standing up at the end of martin <laughs> at the end of saw five and proclaiming this is cinema <laughs> like that is what hackle <laughs> thinks he's going for ari how about yourself well now i'm thinking about taco bell Yes. And I really want a crunch wrap, and I feel like there was a missed opportunity there for some co-branding. Mm-hmm. And now that's like all I can think about. So, uh, no. Let's pause the recording. We'll <laughs> Go get crunch wraps. Get some crunch wraps. Come back. Cat, is this a stupid question? Is there Taco Bell in the UK? Um, it's not everywhere, but there okay. is one that is local to me. Uh, it was okay. like when we when we relocated down here, I was like, oh my God, it's Taco Bell. And then obviously I went to America and had much better tacos. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that does mean we could all pause and go get a Taco mm-hmm. Bell. But we're not going to do that here today. We're not going to think outside the bun. Do they still say that? I don't know what goes I on. I think so. Um. So Saw 5 did well at the box office um it ranked number two which is not always the case for some movies they were used to ranking number one so it still objectively did well but it was kind of shaky for saw terms um and it received negative reviews i mean you know what we've said so far you're either there for the cop drama or there's not much to be there for in this one um so yeah sorry it it's a victim of its own success in some ways. Like it mm-hmm. still pulls in like a hundred and fourteen million nearly worldwide on like eleven million dollars. So by any other metric, like that's a that's a success. Like you would mm-hmm. love to see that. But when the previous two movies do like a hundred and sixty and a hundred and forty, respectively, you and you can see the bloom is coming off a bit and you're going to see it crater. Like, spoiler alert for next episode, you're going to see the numbers, like, completely crater for Saw 6. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, are you are you losing your edge, John? Is the tempered steel lasting at the box office? Um, you know, maybe not quite. Shoddy blades. <laughs> so speaking of shoddy blades, let's talk traps. So there's... The traps we see for the five people who are being tested, there's the trap that Hoffman sets up for his sister's killer, and then there's the trap that Hoffman is in himself. Oh, and there's the traps for Strom. There's actually a lot of traps in this movie as I'm like mentally running through them. What do we want to start with? Who has a favorite? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and start off. Um, and I guess um, I think we can kind of start with um, the, the Fatal Five uh, group trial aspect uh, this is like kind of the first one that we've seen since two um at, you know three and four were kind of one person going through um and you know experiencing it themselves and i like in this film is where we kind of get the uh the the different branch of of jigsaw philosophy that you know kind of hoffman brings to the table you know being a cop himself and seeing things uh you know not handled um the way that they could be done and seeing people get you know put back on the street and obviously John does manipulate Hoffman with that angle to a degree, but at the same time, like this is where um, I'm sorry, guys don't come for me, but I am going to be throwing some shots at Amanda this episode. Unfortunately, Uh, do love her as, as we've kind of discussed is like really being an ultimate victim of John 
versus where I do kind of distinguish Hoffman as kind of the more heir apparent as like he does his own thing like hmm. this is his second trap that he did himself not set up and designed by John like Amanda never even got past um you know doing one of John's designs like she never even got to this point to like get to do her own uh trial and his isn't really about like the teaching the value of life but it's like kind of more about it exacting true justice because again he's uh, justice is thrown around a lot in this film and that is directly because you know he's a cop uh you got the fbi involved and all these things and like can i oh go ahead can i i just pause you there because i you said something i find fascinating and i want to like throw it out to everyone you're saying like hoffman is the heir apparent which to me he's not because hoffman could really give a shit about jigsaw at the end of the day like he's been blackmailed by him and he kind of just like goes and does his own thing like jigsaw teaches him some tricks and some tools of the trade but he's really like you see in four in this movie six and seven he's not really continuing jigsaw's work so i'm wondering what the rest of y'all think about hoffman as an heir apparent versus just doing his own thing what do y'all think i mean that's why i just said like different branch like it's uh like not 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 that he's um it you know trying to you know recreate his legacy because like you know he is essentially scouted by jigsaw when he uses jigsaw's persona to you know get his own revenge and then yeah comes back into the okay now uh you can do this and like okay if Mm -hmm. you want to be in on this like okay do it properly at least and then they kind of have this like kind of mutual respect in a way of yeah they're doing their own thing but kind of at but you know to serve each other's purposes in a way like it's mutually beneficial there we go that's what i was looking for okay so so far the two um jigsaw disciples that we know of are amanda and hoffman and neither one of them is really doing exactly what jigsaw does they're both twisting his message in a way where amanda was like surviving these traps makes your life bad I'm just going to kill people so their life doesn't have to be bad anymore. And Hoffman's just off the rails doing whatever he does. Um, I will get into it. But, um, you know, I think I'm drawn to Amanda more because, like, that sense of loyalty that she has and that sense of, like, ride or die is what I love about her character. But I don't really think either Amanda or Hoffman actually was, like, fully on board with Jigsaw's message. And I think part of the reason why is that Jigsaw's not on board with his own message. Mm. He talks out both sides of his mouth. He's, you know, he says this is all about whatever, whatever. And then he uses it for revenge and blackmailing instead of moral teaching. Like he's lying to himself. So he can't get followers to follow a message that he doesn't even believe. That's a great is point. what I think. Thank yeah. you. Well, I feel like Amanda... She had more of an emotional investment in the cause than, I think, anyone else. He really got to someone that needed someone like him and a message like his um, to be able to kind of process some of the things that she had been through poorly incredibly poorly 
but it was just kind of a an opportune situation and i don't think we have that here like she was really about the <clears throat> really thinking about what folks were experiencing on the other end of the traps basically saying you don't want to make it to the other end because it's not you survive but you you don't so i i don't know like i feel like it does kind of lack that but i do find it interesting though to think about it in terms of just a separation like party and business like you know amanda was about party she was about the you know let's really double down on this <laughs> and here we have business business it's about city planning and <laughs> buildings and it's it's much more structured so it is different we have so the if, mullet if, of yes, the same thing amanda sorry hoffman in the front and amanda yeah. in the back excellent what say you, Kat? Like, is there a true apprentice? Do either of these fit the mold? I don't think we've met the true apprentice, in, in my opinion, yet. Um, so I, I think Hoffman is just doing his own thing. I think if John hadn't found him, he would have just continued to do his work disguising himself as as jigsaw to to get away with taking these people off i think him getting sort of recruited in with john is just a, a way for him to continue doing what he wanted to do without finding himself mm -hmm. in in too much in too much trouble and he knows that john's not going to be around for much longer so i kind of feel that he's just sort of waiting around and yeah. you know he's he's you know he's measuring up you know the layer you know so when he can you know do his makeover and stuff on it when he when he, you know, he gets in the will, and then yeah, he's just once once John's out of the way, he's just back to what he was wanting to do all along. Okay, yeah. you, guys, you guys ready I, for me to blow your mind real quick? Sure. Okay. No, we, but we, do it anyway. We we've been talking, we've been mapping out the Saw family. You know, uh, we discussed in different episodes. Um, you know, John and Amanda have this uh, kind of maternal connection it's, in a way. It, is this going to be a Fast and Furious reference? No, no. Okay. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Um, but, um, but you know, they kind of have that relationship um, versus uh, Hoffman and, and John. Uh, Hoffman is a shitty gay stepdad. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is because there's, there's kind of like a, a, an eroticism with the, the whole uh, shotgun chair uh, situation that, that handles right at his crotch. Um, but so so we have so we have shitty uh, stepdad uh, coming into the relationship because uh, John just needs someone to transfer the insurance benefits to, um, and if then you, if if you refer to Jigsaw as Zaddy, I just I don't know. <laughs> hey, you just did, not me. Um, your, okay, your words, true. not mine. Uh, and and so yeah, we have we have shitty stepdad versus uh, Amanda, which is a bratty daughter. And uh, which is always a fun dynamic, and that's literally the the, the dynamic that I get between them. So that, that's where I see the the Saul Colt family right now. Excellent, I love, I really like that. I'm imagining I, Brady Bunch style squares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. See, I I will make that. <laughs> I when when you 
we're saying before, Devon, about Hoffman respecting Jigsaw and vice versa. I didn't feel like they respected one another so much as they were very cagey about one another. And I kind of liken exactly. it they're catty to... Sure. They're, they're catty. <laughs> well, I was thinking more along the lines of like when you take two wrestlers that are kind of enemies and you make them become a tag team together where they kind of have to work together like MJF and, and Adam Cole right now, which, you know, one of in AEW where they, I guess are now are like buddy, buddy. But, but first when you partner them together, like, wait, we're kind of feuding, but now we have to work together. I, and I think I don't want to spoil saw six or seven, so I won't say much, but I think that, John is always, always has an out, always has a like, when, when my apprentice goes too far, I can like pull the cord and like parachute out of here and leave the sky high and dry. Like MJF, he will punch you with his diamond ring. Absolutely. Did he, I thought he didn't hit Adam Cole with a diamond. I actually don't know. I just know that that's his move when he wants out. Okay, got it. All right. Um, Fuck what about MJF. The... Well, speak... I love MJF. I mean, I do too. He's the first true heel in a generation, yeah. but... He's the Roddy Piper of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the pendulum trap? Speaking of Hoffman and traps, I really dig this. It's a really cool design, and it's very gross. It is very grotesque. How do you feel this one comes off? I, mean, I think we need to work it into the show logo. I was about to say, I figured you were a fan of this one. <laughs> uh, by the, by the, For reasons. By nature of it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Again, this is the one that uh, gets Hoffman scouted by Jigsaw because uh, Hoffman uh, does this to kill his sister's killer who got off on a technicality uh, for murdering her. And that's, you know, in the one flashback where we, you know, see, uh, you know, Hoffman, uh, his reaction to a city, like, this is the one emotional scene we have out of Hoffman, like, the entire movie. The rest of, you know, the rest of the time, he's stone-faced business. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this one is, it's gnarly just because it's gross. It's like you think there has it, that it has an out, and, you know, he does the thing. He smashes his hands, and because that's what, you know, I liked about his uh, Traps in 4 is, like, uh, Hoffman, you know, unlike Amanda's Traps, he's like, no, I'll give you a way out, but you're going to have to, you know, just mutilate yourself to do it. And that's like, you know, a trend that we would see continue on throughout the series. And that was started by Hoffman, just saying, um, you know, so you think we have this situation here where he has a way out and he's like, oh, he's going to pull it off. And then the machine keeps going. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, fuck, that was mean. And then we find out later that that was a flashback. And, um, you know, that 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 was uh, happen and that John was like, hey, like, OK, I, you got skills, but uh, but but you lack the motivation, you, you, you know, uh, behind it. And and so I like how um, this kind of sets up uh, again, like kind of the, the slightly, you know, the the dueling ideologies, but in the way that they kind of coincide and like, mm-hmm. you know, um, to where Hoffman is like you know what, uh, yeah, this could be kind of fun. And if uh, if I am doing true justice, then sure. So, like, um, this was uh, his taste of it. It's uh, it's gross. I like it. It's a good time. Oh, sorry. Um, I was going to say, I, I think it, it took a few films in the series to get there, but it became eventually, you know, common that you would have one of these big extravagant traps to open the film with. And that's what and we're talking earlier about audience coming for you know the story and stuff but i think a lot of 
Saw fans were more Joe Public. They wanted, you know, to go out and be entertained just as a one-off at the cinema. And that was what they were coming for. So when you see a trap like this that was exactly what the crowd were baying for it's kind of like you know the opening scene in in scream 2 where everyone's like running a mark in the cinema that's kind of the the, the atmosphere that a lot of opening night saw movies were mm. were like uh, in in this era and that pendulum trap is you know it's pretty grim and then when obviously it's revealed that it was hoffman you know he just with his inferior products but i just i the thing that i like about this this film is it you know it really reveals that you know hoffman likes to watch you know Mm -hmm. that is his kink is he he likes to watch and i think that's uh an interesting thing that we've not seen from from any of the other disciples i know that john is obviously present uh, during Saw to, to make sure that lessons are learned but Hoffman's not necessarily bothered about lessons he just he just, wanna, he just yeah. wants to watch yeah as someone who's had lots of stomach surgeries um, this one really resonated with me um, because there's really no pain like a stomach wound um, just because it basically impacts like every aspect of your movement. Um, so I think it gets at, you know, even if you survive and you have like some pretty nasty gashes, you're going to be wicked uncomfortable for a strong, mm. strong amount of time. Um, so I would, you know, if that was getting close to me, it's just like, you know what, it's been, we had a good time. I did some things in life and now it is time to say goodbye. And (laughs) all of my bodily contents will just be all about the place or cleanup. There could be a good like DVD extra, like short film of like the police cleanup crew that have to go to each crime scene and they're like fucking hell like this again and they <laughs> and plot their revenge everywhere. yeah and they plot their revenge on jigsaw and hoffman for making them clean all this crap up i want to i want a short film of hoffman with headphones setting this up just like just him by himself in his zone setting this trap up you know minding mm-hmm. his business uh, I think that'd be hilarious. Getting all giddy, like, ooh, I can't wait. Uh, I There's an extra layer of cruelty to Hoffman's traps in this one. In that, like, with, uh, like Amanda, you can't get out of the trap. It's like, nope, it's about punishment, eventually. In that not only is this dude going to die, like he does, there's just no way around it. But he also has to destroy the instruments which killed Hoffman's sister. He has to ruin both of his hands first and still die because of it. And Hoffman wants to see that happen because it's not, ju- it's not justice without punishment. Death isn't enough. He needs to be punished first for what he did. And that's that extra layer of cruelty. And why, like, salty bitch Jigsaw calling this trap inferior... It's not like it's a pretty ingenious trap. Like 
I'm going to be honest, like I'm looking at some of Jigsaw's traps as the series goes on and they're pretty basic. It's like eventually it's like you would get to the point in Saw 12. It's like you might get a paper cut, you know, like, ooh, <laughs> like we were kind of fading here a little bit, I say. I think he's just jealous of mm-hmm. Hoffman's setup. And yeah. He's like, Psh, you didn't even do it right. It's not even yeah. good. He's not even an engineer like Jigsaw. He's just a gnarly old detective. He was jealous, and he thought it was hot, though, too. He was like, I don't know. He's like, that mm-hmm. trap was uh, kind of nice, but but, mm-hmm. but let me go ahead and shame you real quick about now, you know, your, your methods behind it. Like, is uh is very very interesting like uh, mm-hmm. uh it, you know compared to uh, the shotgun chair you know the mm-hmm. very uh, yeah. uh, a very simplistic one and it's not even really a yeah. game like this is like kind of more of a mind game for for john mm-hmm. to kind of you know uh yeah. all part of the manipulation of uh of hoffman because like even though i again i do think that hoffman eventually like kind of has his own like kind of purposes and style at this point in the shotgun chair like he you know didn't and and no. uh, this is a uh, kind of um where you know i i kind of like the the conversation that they have of, yeah. you know this like kind of uh back and forth and to like kind of be like hey like you know that that's why i feel like hoffman eventually you know with the fatal five is like okay like here i'm gonna actually have a lesson i'm gonna go out to teach it to you you know, two of the five learned that lesson, and that's you know pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but like uh, in a in an interesting way, it's like uh, kind of you know the way that he came to see the light, like in a in a different way, because like you know Amanda was a survivor, and that's how she you know she kind of saw it oh. his way. And then I like how it's like kind of you know uh, shifted in a way because Hoffman is different. So Jigsaw's like, all right, I got. Uh, switch my tactic. I'm not gonna put you in a true trap, but we're gonna, you know, I'm, we're, I'm gonna talk to you face to face. Let's, let's, you know, I, I don't got time for this because this is, you know, early stages of John's sickness. So yeah. he's also got to expedite things a little bit. Well, speaking of the five, like mentioning the five and two of them surviving, Cat, you were saying at the outset how it's a bit disappointing that you have these like really great traps and then five characters that are pretty immemorable. What do you think, like, was there any particular one that, like, stood out stood out to you? And what about them? Like, did you're like, oh, these are great. Like, too bad we don't have someone we care about inside of them. I think if it, it's the, I don't think it's a twist, but I, it's the realization when they get to the, the Pints of Blood one mm-hmm. of, you know, oh, oh, if they just hadn't have had all of that ego and stuff and it's like we discussed uh, we discussed on saw 2 that you know these people were just idiots bumbling around just basically walking into traps but here we are living in a world where the general public know who jigsaw is they immediately are aware of of why they are there in in a way you know there's the the journalist played by the guy who was in 24 for a while who is immediately going what's your story what's your story you know these you know these are the people that that we wanted in saw 2 they're having the conversations that we wanted and still they don't get where where they need with where they need to get so i think it's kind of interesting to compare those those two groups of people and just see that yeah people just suck if they're put together in a jigsaw trap you know Mm -hmm. they will just turn on each other but i as much as i'm not invested in them i do enjoy the the dynamics Mm -hmm. and particularly between um 
Megan Good and Julie Benz is like these two like women sort of like battling for sort of like queen bitch dominance over one another and the the bathtub trap mm-hmm. is just so much because they build it where you think that they're the women are going to turn on the guy and then Julie Benz is like no there's only there's only one bitch getting out of here and it ain't you love and yeah so I kind of like that the it's the women that that, that take control in it mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily invested in them more than you go girl yeah you're right because Julie Benz recognizes, like, I'm next. Like, this woman has turned on two guys already, and there's only one trap left. Like, I am next in line here, so I'm going to nip this yeah. nip this in the bud. How soon was it before you realized, like, oh, yeah, all they have to do is work together? Because, like, as soon as I heard the jigsaw message, I'm like, yep, just work together, but you won't because that would be a very boring – although <laughs> – it actually might make for a really cool twist if they did all work together that would be and just to see how that would proceed. But you knew they weren't going to do that. How quick were y'all to realize that was the that was the end game? Oh, I knew it from the beginning. Like that mm. I, I saw from like the very first one, it was like um even though like the realization later was like, Oh, they're all the keys were the same and they would have unlocked them all, but then or also like I, while I was watching the trap, I was like, Oh, if you all just go one at a time, there's enough slack to where each of you can go get the mm-hmm. key like so it's like so that's where i realized and then i definitely realized it in the next one in the um the the jars on the ceiling mm-hmm. uh incinerator room i was like um those uh uh safe those zones are, are huge like literally eight of you could survive in this situation mm-hmm. right now so i was like yeah like the, like yeah. you guys literally all could be surviving and and uh, mm-hmm. and I, I really do like that i think i think that comes together at the end and it was like, hey, yeah, Hoffman, like, he, he did something. He took five people that all were connected and, like, did a very terrible thing. And, like, you know, that this feels the most like a game. Like, I mean, this is like him. This is almost an experiment for him, you know, with – because at this point he's already done a few killings um, under, you know, and, like, he's already helped out Jigsaw. So, like, this is his – true first like this is me doing my own thing from scratch uh he even has a little miniature uh in his little planning room which i which i love um and uh yeah and i I think it's a interesting concept to uh do for uh this group game uh jigsaw kind of does it a little bit but uh not quite like uh this one i do do love the return of the of the uh dioramas do love that sorry no i mean i think that the message of the journey is a friends that we made along the way um, is <laughs> something that we do come back to because whenever you have like a group thing like this, I think <laughs> when you're going personal, you're going petty and you just want to see people like rip each other to shreds to end up on top of flesh mountain um but (laughs) i think we start to see more and we'll talk about them in future installments where it's like if you guys would have just shut the fuck up for two minutes and actually like talk through what is in front of you someone would have been able to put the pieces together to say this is how this works like it's very simple 
And if we do this one step, it's not going to, you know, this is only like stage one, but I, I kind of like those um, traps because there's always that moment of realization of everyone to be like, could have done this. Like people could have lived. And then you get to see the callousness of these folks because they're like, yeah, but this is a coworker. This isn't my family member. This isn't a friend. This person in the cubicle. And yeah, we did some fucked up practices together, but I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it's, it does create, I think a lot of texture to, um, you know, when you're able to really think about the style, the flair, and the meanings that every single person who crafted a trap, like mm -hmm. everything that they're kind of imbuing it with. I love the realization whenever they do get to the end. A quote of the movie, why are there five holes here? Uh, whenever he's in a, in a dead panic. Why are there five holes here? <laughs> yeah. How about Strom's traps? I I think that, like, the Strom trap at the end of the movie is one of... I mean, obviously I'm a Star Wars nerd, so anything that brings back memories of, like, that Death Star sequence is great. And unfortunately for Strom, he does not have a C-3PO and R2-D2 to shut down to shut down the disposal facility. This was an awesome death. Like, this is just disgusting. And I love that the movie just, like, the last scene is his bone coming out of its arm. And then it's like, right, cut to black. You don't even need to see anymore. What if Disney buys Saw and we get that crossover? That would be amazing. Saw that would a, be saw on a space station. I mean, everybody wants it. Everybody. I wants do want it. it. I do want that. Uh, Jigsaw will eventually go to space. We have to. Mm -hmm. I think both of them are really cool. the The water cube is just like great imagery. I think like it's like you know him sitting you know, like he's got the the tanks with the thing in, and we get the classic mm -hmm. uh, uh, quick edit of his head is just always hilarious. Um, and then we get to, you know, uh, see him uh, survive, you know, via pen tracheotomy, which is uh, heavily debated amongst uh, the Internet if that actually works or not. I've seen people say yes and no, and it's very fascinating. So there's like mm. a war against this concept. Um, mm. But uh, it's, also, it's also fun because we don't often get to see people like beat the traps. So it's like uh, kind of extra satisfying, uh, the, the water cube one. But but yeah, like that that ending, yeah. though, whenever he does like the little the little switcherooski. And uh, and I, I noted um, uh, whenever I was tweeting about this yesterday, um, it, Costas uh, Mandalore's acting in the box is the best acting he does the entire series. Uh, his facial yeah. expressions yeah. to Strom, like as Strom is like realizing what's going on, is a uh, uh, chef's kiss. And uh, I love that uh, the glass box is a payoff he um, is from the last movie. Uh, we we saw it. He's a half step away from like putting his thumb on his nose and wiggling his fingers. Uh -huh. So here's my question for y'all. Speaking of this trap and, and the, the two traps, number one, I was a bit disappointed at the beginning of the movie. because so you have the end of Saw 4 where it looks like he's locked in this room. Like, oh, shit, like he's now locked in here. He can't get out. He's going to die like Adam did. And then like immediately in Saw 4, it's like, no, there's a side door right there. A little thing. They open door. that up. 
And it's just like that's a that's a cheat. Come on, like that's a that is the hundred lives in Super Mario or like up up down down A B A B start. Like that is the contra code. I mean, we're no in, good. We're in Jigsaw HQ here, though. There's True. gotta be multiple okay. secret doors. But at the end of this movie, like when Strom's listening to the tape, and it's like, well, have you learned enough to trust me yet? Like, there's nothing that Hoffman has done that would make Strom trust him, right? Like, right. Ari, what are your thoughts on this? Is our, like, <laughs> there is, um, like... So, Hoffman doesn't want Strom to get in the box, not truly. So him saying, have you learned enough to trust me yet, is him doing reverse psychology, going, well, absolutely, I don't trust you, so I'm going to do the opposite of what you're telling me. But then that allows Hoffman to do his neener, neener, neener from inside mm-hmm. the glass coffin. So it's all part of the setup for him to go, ha-ha, as Strom dies. So is that part of the, That's if you I know think. people well enough, they uh, will always like do what you expect them to do. The I, This is why I can anticipate how this game will play out. Yes. I think yeah. it has to do with uh, John Kramer telling him, like, anticipate human behavior and there is no chance. When which... they're setting up two, which is yes. really fun. And them, them talking shop while they're setting up the traps for two is, like, mm-hmm. such a it's fun really little really cool. Scene. Yeah, yeah. I do think there's something to it, and I haven't quite put my thoughts together on this. Maybe one day I will. But all of Strom's traps, like, they're both box-related, and there's something to it there. To like, he can't get out of his his box. Like, he can't think outside the box or something. I haven't fully put this together in my mind. Mm-hmm. And listeners, if you've thought about this, I would love to hear your theories mm. on this. But to me, there's something there about his traps all being closing him in and sort of like being buried, being crushed, like the crushing mm-hmm. weight of trying to fight Jigsaw. I don't know. I'm workshopping it, but I'm thinking about okay. it the glass coffin thing i think is is great and we you know we, we see it in full you know mm-hmm. when they're when um they're having a conversation we you know we sort of see it and it sort of looks at and it's like no that that's that's not for now so it's one of those things when you are if you've watching them you know each year you completely forget that we've seen that before but when you're watching them back to back it's like aha there it was there all along so it's nice to to see it, it utilized and yeah costas mandalore is having a well of time as i said earlier you know Hoff- hoffman likes to watch and this is it's a lot to watch and he is very happy with what he sees yeah. i would be terrified though in that box like that yeah, is what like that it's almost like what would be worse like sitting in this box for five or ten uncomfortable minutes or getting crushed to death that's like i don't know and what if something breaks and you're stuck like it's a lot of trust in your mm-hmm. own craftsmanship there. Yeah. It's like uh, magicians, you know. Not an yes. engineer, just a detective. Like that's pretty impressive engineering work for a guy that is like just a detective. Mm-hmm. What say you, Nicole? Yeah, I just I love that we get kind of Hoffman looking at him and Strom looking back as he's being carted off. And it's like, LOL, bye. It was me. (laughs) And now you know. Strom? (laughs) Strom yelling, too, I know who you are. It's like, well, obviously, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You would hope so. Well, it's like, are you going to do something now? Can't. 
still. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hoffman's like good. He's like he's like good. I'm yeah. glad you know who I, I am. I said this when we talked about the Harbinger on a different uh, on a different podcast. What Hoffman says to Strom in this moment is one of my greatest fears. So it's like you're going to die. No one is ever going to find you. No one is ever going to know what happened to you, and you're just going to be forgotten about. Like you're yeah, just like you didn't exist. Um, that like is the the premise of the the monster and the the harbinger uh, by Andy Mitten, which is one of my favorite movies of last year. That like you're not only dead but wiped out of human existence, and no one remembers you. Like that is an existential fear that like really. So I really like that kind of addition. Do you to think it? As it well. I think. Oh, I was just gonna go first off, really quickly off of what Mike was saying. Though, in addition to that, we talked a little bit about kind of the ego aspect in this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there. I think the the being forgotten, but also like the story not being told correctly. Um, like who's the hero, who's the villain. Um, I think that especially with some of these um, members of the force, they're really like, it's more about reputation and Mm -hmm. what story is able to actually be put out there. And so um, it's not only you know, you're going to be forgotten, but you have now no control over what what is the story of what happened to you and, and what happened in here. Yeah, it's history is told by the winners and Hoffman is the winner. So in his mind, Strom is going to go down as like the person on the inside. Like that, it was going to be the Jigsaw Apprentice and Hoffman will continue to get to play the role of the decorated hero. I mean, he went he went back to back, baby, and uh, I think it all I think it all ties into uh, it's the whole cop angle of it all. Um, it, you know, I think it's partially one like Jigsaw like points out that like, hey, you would be good at you know another reason you'd be good at this is because you know you're on the inside, you know your way around, and I think that ties into the you're going to never be found angle because it's like, yeah, he's a cop. He knows what they're going to be looking mm-hmm. for. He knows how to make that not happen. So that's scary in a way. Um, so you have that yeah. um, with Ari's note about like, um, you know, Strom not thinking outside the box. He's like represents just like that old school, like uh, especially in four, he does everything like by the numbers, like procedural, like, I mean, you could like predict every movie he's doing because he's doing the classic stuff and like, Hoffman's just kind of realized, like, hey, like the like the way it's doing now, uh, justice system, it's not doing it. The cops, we're not doing it. He's like, but I can still use that to my advantage, tying in with uh, John's ideologies to like you know come up with mm-hmm. his version of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's like again, this is this movie is the funny thing whenever um, because there's a line in Spiral where it's like Jigsaw doesn't target cops. And that's like, have you watched Saw, you know, really all of the films, but like this film specifically Mm -hmm. has a scene where, you know, Hoffman is getting an award 
and there's uh, memorial plaques for like seven members of the squad. Yes. And they keep saying it too, like your whole squad is dead except for you. So it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Darren Lynn Bowsman, did you watch five? <laughs> <laughs> so Kat, do you think we were talking about like Hoffman's motivations earlier, his motivation for the first trap is he want to, wants to kill his wife's murderer and just pin it on jigsaw and then he gets roped in by jigsaw to continue do you think like once he felt he was in the free and clear like after this if it gets pinned on strom and people buy it do you think he's going to continue this work or do you feel like this was just like an is an expedious way to get rid of anyone that annoyed him and he would just move on from that i i think he would just he's he's still going to continue mm-hmm. and then he'll just find somebody else to, to to pin it on you know strom had had partners he had you know there's uh mr bluetooth you know <laughs> he can always then pin it pin it on him being in on it with strom i think he's he's got plenty of options and mm-hmm. i think as as long as he can and because he likes playing the hero so sure. even if he's just literally setting up people so that he can then swing in and save the day like oh look i just stumbled across this jigsaw's trap because i'm amazing <laughs> i think that he would continue to do that because he he likes he likes having his ego stroked and okay. being seen as this as this big hero. Yeah. I just I see and I put this in my notes. I see Hoffman more as a Renfield than a Dracula. Like I don't really see him kind of. I think like for him and how I see him in these movies is everything is about covering up his previous crimes. Like he feels like he's in the clear. And then someone else is like, maybe it's this guy. So he has to orchestrate something else. And even like the game in this movie is set up for him by Jigsaw. It's like, oh, yeah, you have to set up another game for me because I need some entertainment when I'm, you know, light up in my gurney. Well, that was referencing four. Five is all. No, it's not. It's not. It's yeah. absolutely not. Jigsaw hands three him and a four folder. were happening at the same time. Oh, oh no! It's that is that part is true, but Jigsaw hands him a folder with all the people in this game, all these real estate mm, people. Like, right. so it's it's not a Hoffman. Hoffman so I d- I don't well, know no. if Jigs Hoffman, if Jigsaw Hoffman gets the records though, right? Because remember he's, he's like, told he this is who it is. Like this is mm. who you need to be in this. So it's not him setting it up. He's like, you're, and even Jigsaw even says, like, you're not going to understand why it's important, but it is, trust me, because we'll just say that and it's important and we'll provide no textual evidence that it is. Um, but, you know, Jigsaw's big on these trust falls, apparently. And Hoffman's <laughs> like, okay. He's like, is there a diorama in it? Okay, then I'll set it up. Absolutely, I'm in. Sorry, Ariel, what were you saying? That's uh, that's okay. I was going to say the people are certainly picked by Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. It is not clear if Hoffman decided on the traps in the trial or if Jigsaw okay. told him what to do or something in between. But the people were certainly picked by Jigsaw yeah. and the lesson. So I just I, wanted to throw that in. So maybe I'm assuming. I just thought it was like a step-by-step, like, here are it the people and this is Here's what you want project. to put them through. Well, on <laughs> yeah. that note, one of y'all have a note in here that this is like – the same location is sought to uh, where this game goes down. Is there any evidence of that? Is there ever anything that it's like pointed to that says this? Hold on. This is my note and I want to find exactly what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so not the 
trial of the the fatal five um it's the house that agent strom runs through while he's chasing hoffman that is like it's been flipped but it was the nerve gas house in saw two okay and is there any is that stated anywhere or um i don't know if they say it in the movie it's definitely canonically true. And one of the ways you can tell in the movie is the door in the floor that goes down the stairs. Oh, It's okay. the same door that Amanda found, you know, quote unquote, found when the blood was settling around it. Good catch. I missed that. Yeah. Saw City is, you know, fluid and ever-changing. Yeah, yeah they're, they're connected by the, um, the, the underneath tunnels <laughs> and then where we pass the, the bathroom mm-hmm. from the first one. That's what connects... The, the sure. two house and then the uh, saw HQ. So this leads into something I want to ask. And it's, I had the benefit of watching, like binge watching these. So to me, the timeline is pretty easy to follow. Cause I'm not going like a full year in between, but it feels like saw is attempting to do episodic television, except that it's a film series. So if I'm watching like, Game of Thrones or Secession, there's only a week in between episodes or, you know, they're all dropped at once and I'm not, you know, it's like telling one long story. Does it hurt the series that these are so articulate, they're so intricately, if clumsily put together at times, that it's hard to bring new people in because you can't just jump into Saw 5 and know what's going on and that it often seems to contradict itself. How hard is it to, to attempt this type of thing? Like, what are y'all... Ari, you're our resident expert on the timeline. So what say you when it comes to this kind of planning? Well, I'd be interested to hear from those who saw them in the theater year to year. Like, how hard was it to keep track of? Because I got to watch four, five, and six back-to-back on um, Blu-ray. But I think in terms of bringing in new viewers... You simply couldn't jump in at four, five, or six and understand what's going on. I don't think that's necessarily a problem, but you do have to recognize it as a limitation. Um, It is very much like episodic television. I mean, it's easier to get caught up on the Saw movies than it is to, like, get caught up on Lost or, like, a a Game of Thrones, you know? (laughs) Like, you can spend a few hours getting caught up on Saw, but... Yeah, there does come a point in the middle where you can't just choose your own adventure anymore and you really got to go follow the timeline. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've always said with franchises like this that <laughs> the, the, the whiplash like kind of just adds to like the fun of it and like the suspension of disbelief to be like, okay, like let's see how if this retcon does make sense. Like how far can you guys really stretch this? And again, I, I feel like that's just like kind of part of the fun. And it, I don't think, again, anybody's yeah. like, going into this wanting you know a realistic uh you know narrative kind of timeline you know like that yeah it's, it's kind of part of the fun and i think this is this movie is fun because we kind of get to see um a little bit of the time era that we're gonna see in saw 10 because um whenever uh hoffman helps jigsaw get the guy for the um the barbed wire um uh, uh thing that we see in what one um, you know, so it's like, so that one, you know, so that little time period. So we do know Hoffman was around. 
mm-hmm. and uh, we might, um, you know, we get to see a uh, little glimpses uh, in, in like um, whenever again when we see Hoffman helping him set up yeah. too as well. So we we get to see uh, some little glimpses there as well, and so I think um, you know the timeline stuff is uh, you know makes for fun payoffs like this, you know, where we see stuff that's okay. like oh this was mentioned in uh, four or this was mentioned in two, you know, and like I think uh, I think it just makes it fun. So for the hardcores, for the folks that are there every year, getting those, it, maybe Easter eggs isn't quite the right word, but seeing those callbacks is part of the, the charm. And Kat, you were there since like day one. Is that like, would you like fist bump mom? Like if you saw like that's the dude from Saw 1, like was that the kind of experience? Yeah, I mean, I think touching on like new people, like coming into like, five especially um i think a lot of people like well where's jigsaw you know isn't there supposed to be some some jigsaw dude who's Mm -hmm. who's this new guy but one of the reasons like i mentioned earlier me and my mum went every year and what i would do in the lead up is i would spend like each day i would watch another one like one of the previous ones so like by saw five i'd spent monday watching one tuesday two and, and and so on and part of that reason is because my mum wouldn't do it that way. She would be watching them each Halloween, you know, for the for the first time, having mm-hmm. a gear break. And I would be then sort of like filling in that, yeah, but you know, that was with that. And she'd be like, was it? Like, yeah, so this connects with this and this connects with that. And I was kind of, you know, that, that like translator sort of middleman person being like, no, it does make sense because... And I kind of feel that maybe that's why this one did get maybe a few more negative reviews than than some of the others and it's because the the press who were who were sent hadn't necessarily done their homework or they hadn't you know watched the previous film for the last year and they didn't see how intricately these do all work with the callbacks because yeah like for me I would be sat in my chair being like aha aha ah so (laughs) and then afterwards I would like have to take my mum and sort of explain like why I was being really irritating sat next to her during the film (laughs) that makes sense I can see that yeah I would just say that I uh, I agree a lot with Kat I think for me like the first three work together very well without needing to go back and do um like the rewatches and the refreshes because i feel like they work as a unit and they also work kind of like as in slower movies like you get to dig enough into them individually like it's always going to be able to go it's always going to be helpful to go back and see where where you've been when you're going to a new point but um, definitely once you get to five, <laughs> I think you definitely are expanding the world a little bit more. You're expanding the folks that are involved. You're, um, you're just making things a little bit more spread out. And um, mm-hmm. I think then yeah, being able to go back and say, okay... I get what this person's connection to so-and-so is. Um, like what we were talking about with, uh, I think it was in four with uh, the lawyer and understanding like how he was a lawyer for all of these folks and had this connection. So um, it's helpful, I think, especially once you get into this territory of the films because we're less about like the 
smaller groups and more an expansive unit. I think it's like kind of similarly formatted to um, the Paranormal Activity franchise um, in a way that like when you have these longer running franchises, um, it, you can't just do the sequel, 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 sequel format, you know? So it's like, you know, with this one, it's like we get sequel, sequel, sequel with four, sequel, uh, sequel, then we get a prequel. And then, you know, and, and uh, Paranormal Activity does a similar thing as well, having two films run concurrently next to each other, mm-hmm. then we get the prequel. I think that uh, kind of helps uh, the the long form series stay a little fresh, yeah. um, in kind of the way that you uh, mentioned it feeling like episodic in a way, um, yeah. you know. So it's like, yeah, this and you know, you can still watch this one even if you aren't, you know, uh, you know, uh, have the timeline uh, coherently. But like, you can still enjoy it. But then it's like, if you are deep into the mm-hmm. Lauren timeline, like uh, us sawheads, then it's like, then you you know, we're seeing all the stuff where it's like five literally we get five we get you know stuff from one two three four and five in this film like we get every single film up to this point and it's like kind of interesting in the in the way that uh it it, it's formatted that way it's different and i i I think that's a great comparison with paranormal activity and one that i hadn't really thought of like how they're telling both both are telling like very one long story and actually both do take a detour like in with their latest films to date where spiral isn't necessarily connected and then the last paranormal activity Mm -hmm. is not connected to the other Mm -hmm. six movies so that's a really good point because i did find this is the one where like the flashbacks kind of annoyed me a little bit part of it is like that opening scene I'm assuming it's taking place like after the fourth one, like once Hoffman's gone ascendant and then you find, Oh no, this is actually a flashback to before he's even met Jigsaw. And they do a lot of that. It's the, in this one where it's the only time where I maybe found it disorienting and Ariel to your point, it's worth thank. Thankfully we have Strom coming in <laughs> to explain things. So like you sat here and watched. Oh, this, um, this is just the beginning of the flashback filter. Uh, we're going to get a mm-hmm. lot more of it. Uh, next movie of uh, the, the, mm-hmm. the bright, hazy flashback filter. Yeah. And t- to that point, the small and the aesthetic of this one it's the first one i could like okay this is shot by someone different mm-hmm. it was like bousman really mirrored the look that james wan had and saw one like that aesthetic continues and here from the opening shot i'm like this actually looks a little bit different from the other movies like the the filter is still there that blue green filter but i don't think it's quite as oppressive as it is in some of the others. Um, it doesn't quite have the visual sauce. It, it, yeah. It, it does feel it's, a, it's lacking a little bit in flavor yeah. in this one. And I think the Jigsaw, the movie, is like the one that's like most guilty of that. That has like a real direct video look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, I think, maybe the start of that. All right, we're kind of wrapping up, but there's one character that we haven't mentioned at all yet. And we need to because Jill (laughs) played by Betsy Russell, she continues to be an enigma and she continues to be extremely hot as far as I'm concerned. So let's talk. I think we all can agree. Oh my God. She's (laughs) lovely. Yes. 
Yeah, so what we get with uh, Jill in this movie is she gets a box. What's in the box, you might find yourself asking. And, you know, we'll find out eventually, but we don't find out in this movie. She's surprised to, to get a call, you know, from somebody who was managing her late ex-husband's estate. And he also doesn't know what's in the box. And he asks her and she just leaves. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a little dropping some breadcrumbs there. Yes. Tune in next week on next week's episode. (laughs) It's like, these are my recipes. They're family recipes passed down. This is how we make a really good chicken parm. Treasure them. That would be amazing. Listeners, comment on our episode, What's in the Box? Wrong answers only. Wrong, excellent, great It was very, it was Um, a very kind of Pulp Fiction moment when she opened the box, too. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, I, Jill Tuck is the hottie of the Saw franchise. I, I think Jigs is okay, too. Like, Tell me about King yeah, Kong get like, it anytime he wants to. I'm not going to say no. Shawnee Smith in three also has a real glow up. Yeah, like that's true. With her little hot topic. There, there's... Yummy, Riggs yummy, is hot. Riggs. But the... You're right. This is a yummy franchise. Uh, we've, hit the, yeah. we've, Kat, we've hit the thirst trap section, <laughs> as we tend yes. to do. But she, the... You know, I think she did good... Um in four in giving the backstory of her and John. Um, I think that was actually done really well. And when she has to go through that, but I feel like, um, she was kind of underused a little bit here, especially knowing a little bit about where it goes. It, she, she does have like such a, such a presence, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we get more than just a uh, Strom yelling at her, which is pretty much all mm-hmm. she gets to do in four is just sit in a chair yeah. and have him yell at her. Um, you know, she we get her out and about. She's making moves. Uh, that scene with the box is absolutely hilarious because, like, he's just like, uh, if you don't mind, may I know? And then she just looks at him and then walks away. She goes, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, it. am I remembering it? Like, does she pull that key for it, like, out of her, like, cleavage? It's on like, a it's somebody's, well, it's, yeah, it's someone's on a chastity key. All right. So it's <laughs> yeah. basically... Which we'd never. That's awesome. Did, did we ever that see is... John give her that, or was it just no. a reveal? Like, because I was wondering, I was like, did we ever see him give her that, or she's not just like, yet. nope. Not yet. Oh, not yet. Oh, okay. that's right. That's right. Okay, I remember now. Uh, yeah. By the power of flashbacks, uh, you know. It... So, Cat, do you at this point when you're watching Jill? And she has like a brief interaction with Erickson later, where she's like, "Hey, I'm being." St- stalked by like your big strong boy Strom like please call him off like your grown adult son is uh, really harassing me do you feel like we're meant to believe she's in cahoots with Hoffman at this point I think that's a great thing about about Jill is especially in, in the, her earlier appearances is that you don't know quite where her allegiances are lying and I think you are supposed to 
to believe that she maybe is because we we've seen the other four films we know that there's always there's sort of like more than one jigsaw running around and, and working together so that's that's what makes sense and it is it's a nice tease for where we might be going in the future especially given how you know Strom definitely isn't going to be around um unless you know we are going into space in the next (laughs) one and he's you know sort of like re-put back together and like cloned or something uh to to come back for Hoffman so it's it is that is she in with Hoffman or is she now going to be the one who takes over that mantle from Strom and Mm -hmm. and tries to tries to bring him down so she's the I think she does a really good job at playing that ambiguity She's the femme fatale of the Saw franchise. Yeah. Like she truly, yeah, yeah like exactly. uh, in the first one, it's like, oh, you must have. I love it in, in four whenever Strom's like, you must have known. She's just pretty much like, I mean, I knew he was doing something, but I don't know what. Right. And it's just like, you know, like this whole like kind of thing of like, yeah, how much did she know? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and all these kind of things. And like, you know, we, we never know, you know, uh, what strings John is pulling. Uh, you know, from beyond the grave in his will, uh, all the things. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch her get to just kind of do a little bit of everything, Uh, you know, by the strength of Jill Tuck, you know, is how the franchise does uh, carry on. (laughs) He told me he was in a bowling league all those nights of these murders. (laughs) You know, Um, spouses need to have separate hobbies. I don't ask a ton of questions. Don't ask me a ton of questions. We'll be fine. That's this. I think that's a secret. I mean, before we hit record, my wife FaceTimed me, not knowing I was in the next room over in the house. Like, just sometimes that happens. Um, Without revealing much to this point, do it feel like Jill is one of the more tragic figures of the series because she was married to this man. He leaves her for this crusade she loses like john's whole thing is like he started this once he lost his child and then got the diagnosis but she lost the child too and she lost her husband to this illness and she's getting kind of even beyond the grave like she's getting manipulated by him uh through this video and through this like box and it feels like there's no agency there for her. She's just kind of getting pulled along on this trajectory. Or am I reading too much into that? Like, is there a tragedy to Jill that maybe isn't there with some of the other characters? I would say at this point, no. Um, my only question for her is, why don't you move? <laughs> like, leave the city. <laughs> because at this point, like, it's very sad that, you know, she lost her son and her husband, too. But she seems like she's moved on. And the cops keep pulling her in. But they're, she's not charged with anything. Like, take a long vacation. Take yourself to the beach. You know? Mm-hmm. That's what I think of Jill at this point. Yeah. I mean, at this point, she just is, like, annoyed. She's just like, look. Like, we were divorced. <laughs> These were your things. You were doing your thing. I, like, we're dealing. I'm trying to deal in my own way. And, like, and now I'm still, like, and he's got these cops on my tail now. Like, come on. Like, like in this point, she's just like... I'm trying, like, I want to, like, you know, move on and, like, you know, deal with it in my own way. But, like, I just, like, uh, I-, I can't quit you, John. Uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, so, and, but, you know, you, you-, you can take the girl out of uh, Saw City, but, uh, you- well, no, you can't take the girl out of Saw City, but you, you can take the Saw City <laughs> well, out of her. I think mm-hmm. not that she is tragic, uh, but I, 
the the videotape comment from John when she gets the box. It is a little like heart tugging in some ways because it is very much him saying, "I I should have been there for you when you were going through." this and you know i'm taking responsibility for what has happened to you directly um and so i you know she's trying to move on but i'm sure that probably put some salt in some wounds and and probably hurt a little bit because she does want to move on and here's you know her ex she still cared i think a lot about um saying i you know i wasn't there for you like everything else aside mm-hmm. like yes he is a murderer and he's doing all these horrible things but she's like also we were married and you were kind of great sometimes and everything sucks you made puppets creepy ass puppets owned a lot of real estate yeah. owned some cool real estate i think for me at this stage, the most tragic figure is is Amanda. Sure, you know, just the the journey that she goes through. So I, I kind of see, I see Amanda as as more of a, a victim uh, than Jill. But there's there's no denying that she has obviously been been through a lot, and she has potentially the most toxic uh, ex going in the fact that even from beyond the grave, he is still able to uh, manipulate and gaslight her to, to some degree, yeah. which uh, is it's quite it's quite a feat. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't... Do we have anything else? Have we hit everything we want to? I was going to say that little behind... Uh, from the uh, jigsaw from the grave type deal, um, Invisible Man... That's kind of part of the thing is her being mm. tormented from beyond the grave. Lee Winnell looking back at the Saw franchise. Um, it, it all comes back around, baby. It's all connected. It, it's all it, it, it's all connected. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, again, I'm, I'm excited to to uh, continue on. Uh, Hoffman again, back to back. You guys can try to discredit him all you want, but he, he's he's done more than Amanda has. Uh, Nobody's uh, fighting you, Devon. No, uh, no, Mike is fighting. I see. I see the animosity in Mike's eyes for Hoffman. Adrian. I am. And I just want him I, to get his flowers. That's all I want, Mike. No, I love I, I love the fire you have for Hoffman. I don't want to say that like Hoffman is charismaless because that would be unfair. It's just like a very different sort of charisma than like Jigsaw brings. And like as these movies like escalate in ridiculousness, like the opening of Saw 7 is like just wonderfully <laughs> batshit. It's like piccadilly square like harvard square back when you would go see street musicians and you would like chill there for a bit it's like well, instead of buskers you're gonna have like this giant like how do you even set that up like we're gonna get like, into what? it we're gonna get into yeah. all that and i just feel like hoffman like costas mandalore brings such a low key energy oh, almost right. like if you if you took the energy that like Strom has and Hoffman had it, I probably would have pre. It kind of needs that mustache, tw- mustache twirling a little bit. Is I mean, this what I'm saying? It's almost funny because he's so stiff that like yeah. he's like such a bad actor that yeah. he's like not selling it at yeah. all. That like I'm not like it's just I, like I took stills of him during the press conference and he's just like, yes, I totally love saving people, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah. and he's so he's not even trying to sell it. So it's um, yeah. it's it's part of the comedy uh, for yeah. me. What about yourself? I have met 
I have met Costas and he is an intense man. Uh, I'm not sure quite where Hoffman ends and he begins, oh, if I'm completely honest. Uh, I have I have a picture um, that my husband took of the sort of mid-interview with him. And the, I, I will share it when this I goes live on, on, uh, on social media. But like I sort of look back and go I yeah I am gonna end up in a trap like if this interview goes south I'm I'm waking up in a box there's there's no two ways about this so you had one note here Ari about the teddy bear oh yeah 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 that's a fun fact there's a scene in Saw 4 where Strom and Perez are in the office and Hoffman walks by and he has a little stuffy like a teddy bear or something and she says i didn't know you were married and he says i'm not you know short story um but this is for a little girl and then in saw five when he's carrying the little girl whose name is corbett which is not a name i've heard for uh anybody before but okay it's neat. i i have a strange name like cool have your unique names um he's carrying corbett out and he's given her that little stuffed animal and it's not commented on those are the beautiful threads throughout mm-hmm. the franchise that really reward you for sticking with it and yeah. paying he attention, had, I think. He had Jeff's daughter. And again, his bad yep. acting skills in that scene where he's it's just gonna like... It's going to be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think it came with a little card that was like, sorry, sorry. I gunned down your dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry your parents are dead and yeah. your brother. Have a nice and life. Have a good one, kiddo. All right. I think that we can put Saw 5 to bed. At this point, you mean and to glass coffin? We can put this to glass coffin. coffin to a glass bed. Yeah. Uh, so let's plug some stuff. Cat, what's going on with ghouls? What do you have coming up, and where else can we find you in your writing? Uh, so uh, ghouls at the moment is is ticking along. I am currently busy uh, writing for a couple of other outlets with uh, Fantastic Fest, uh, which. One day I'll get to, but uh, for now I will continue to uh, stare through my window longingly across <laughs> the ocean and uh, view screeners remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, they are dropping on uh, thehollywoodnews.com um, for the duration of the festival. I have an essay in the Second Sight uh, release of It Follows, which is out now, and I also have one coming out. Uh, for the Ginger Snaps trilogy uh, at the end of October, which I didn't even know was going to be a trilogy. I just thought I was writing for for the first one for the first one. And then when they announced the release, it was a surprise triple bill. So yeah, just uh, lots of lots of fingers, uh, lots of pies. And in a complete contrast, I uh, have a podcast with my four-year-old daughter called Movies with Mummy, which is just pure pure chaos and she is a hard taskmaster who i think we could go weekly for the next seven or eight weeks before we need to record again but we Mm -hmm. are recording again tomorrow because she's decided that we have to record again tomorrow uh so yes lots lots of things and when does your saw episode drop with your daughter (laughs) well so uh she's desperate to watch evil dead rise uh i feel at some point that may end up being her first horror film Mm -hmm. uh she they so they released this thing in the marketing where you could like deadite yourself Mm -hmm. uh with a you took a selfie and then it, it put you in the there's my cat um it put you into the into the book of the dead um and she became obsessed with it. So awesome. um, 
all of her toys have been made into deadites. Um, she has been made into a deadite several times as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So she then was like, can we watch the trailer? No, not at four. You may not watch mm-hmm. Evil Dead Rise. Like, I'm going to start you with like some lower tier yeah. trauma than I you think... know, maggot mummy. I mm-hmm. kind of feel that that's a, a step too far. Yeah, that might be... I let my daughter watch the thing with me when she was like eight or nine because I had like an overnight job and I was like chilling on the beanbag chair in the basement and she snuck down and I'm like, here's the deal. Like I am way too tired to like bring you back to bed so you can stay with me as long as you want. Uh, But if you have nightmares, you have to wake mom up, not me. So (laughs) that was the rule and she loved it. So she's always pretty, pretty good. We'll... I will check that out. That sounds adorable. Um, with her- yeah, it's 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 like five to ten minutes mm-hmm. of you know just her bringing her multiple personalities yeah. and her multiple toys, and we have we have so many guests. Uh, <laughs> that is that are, great. You know, I love toys. movies with uh, mommy. I cannot plug Thank this you. podcast enough. I listen to every episode as soon as it comes out. I force other people to listen to it. Like, it is so funny. It's a highlight of my week. So where yeah, can... Yeah, it's just... Oh, sorry. It's, it's just me just going, getting slowly more exasperated mm-hmm. as she, as the Excellent. wheels come off and I'm trying to keep her on task. Uh, yeah, but movies... Uh, Movies with Mummy is is on most, you know, like Spotify and, okay. and, and Apple and various other places. Uh, we are on uh twitter at movies with mummy and instagram at movies with mummy pod and um for myself and my writing i am at gizmo shikari on letterboxd twitter x mm-hmm. and uh instagram and uh cathews.bsky.social on blue sky because i, I kind of feel that that might be going somewhere now i think so I'm hoping no everyone's leaving like five star reviews. Like I don't want to meet the guy that is like one star. This four year old doesn't know anything about movies. Like that person can go to hell. Imaginary person. I just made up in my head. Um, With regards to Fantastic Fest, you're probably better off remote right now because from my understanding, no one is getting the movies they want. Like the ticketing system is horrible. Um, Everything is like, put a ticket in my cart, crash, everything is sold out. And I got a message from a friend where people are like, angry to the point where they want to file a class act and action lawsuit. So you're probably like dodging a bullet in terms of like, if you want to see something, you're better off this year. And I won't mention another festival there. You can pretty much get into every movie that you want to uh, without any problem whatsoever, but it might happen to rhyme with smell you mind, horror crow. (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on. uh, Devon, what is going on with the Spectre Cinema Club? Oh, we are having a bummer of a time covering South Korean horror this month. It's been some really great movies, but it's like all so sad. Uh, it, uh, which has been fun. Uh, lots of sadness, lots of bad dads in those movies. Uh, uh, great time. 
Um, and so, yeah, uh, we uh, just covered the whaling with uh, Amber from Ghouls. Um, so um, make sure you go uh, listen to that episode. Really fun. Um, we're going to have, um, in the next month, we're going to be uh, doing Death Games inspired by Saw X. And we'll, be doing, we'll be doing Saw 10 over there, um, as well as uh, some other uh, Death Game inspired stuff. Uh, as well and then um, also uh, Beyond Fest is coming up so I'll be seeing some stuff and then uh, so make sure you follow me on TikTok I'm sure I'll be doing uh, some sort of Beyond Fest uh, stuff over there so uh, yeah you can find me on Twitter and Instagram um, and Letterboxd at underscore Daddy Disco and you can find uh, Spectre Cinema Club new episodes every Tuesday with me and Garrett McDowell uh, at Spectre Cinema nice Nicole what's up with Bodies of All yeah so we just had uh, an episode where we had a conversation uh, with Rabia, who is a panelist for Access Horror um, and does a lot of like pop culture um, and horror fantasy um, kind of conversations that integrate disability, uh, representation and visibility. So she came by and we talked a lot about as an individual with a disability and just what it's like to at particularly young ages see yourself in these types of films and what makes us kind of uh i guess kind of move towards horror and fantasy and things like that so um, it was a really great conversation. She gave about 60 different film recs, uh, just <laughs> casually. Um, so we're going to be uh, doing some uh, <clears throat> some exploration there. Um, but yeah, we're going to be, uh, you know, more guests, talking uh, more films, and always looking for suggestions of films as well. Excellent. And where can folks find you? Over in the Anatomy of a Scream pod network, if I yep. remember so, correctly? Um, Bodies of Horror is part of the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad. So uh, new episodes drop there uh, bi-weekly on Tuesdays. I also have started popping over to the Alter Tapes and doing some episodes there talking about some of the watch alter shorts which has been so much mm -hmm. fun and i've gotten to have some really great conversations with just an amazing group of folks um <laughs> and yeah so uh over there on anatomy of the screen but you can find me on the socials on twitter x twixt at Bodies Horror and at Blue Sky at Bodies of Horror. Excellent. Ari, what do you got cooking up? Oh, nothing much. Just building some traps and going into spooky season. Um, no, on ghoulsmagazine.com, we are wrapping up Slasher September, and October we're going to be focusing on mental health, so get stoked for some of that. I have a deeply personal article coming out for the mental health uh, theme in October, so, you know, look forward to looking inside my screaming brain. And um, a, lot of saw, a lot of Saw content. I'm going to be popping up on some other podcasts doing 
saw related talking. My God, where did my words go? I used them all up. Anyway, you can find me on all the socials at Ari underscore Hellraiser, and you should do that. Excellent. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, which again, two hours deep, if you aren't enjoying it. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, what's going on? But if you're enjoying us, please, easy way to support the show that costs you no money. Please rate, review, and please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your shows. I get some really nice reviews lately. Like really, really happy with them, and we really appreciate them. So five stars, few kind words. It does help new listeners find us. We got like a really nice compliment on Twitter, where uh, or maybe it was Bluesky, where one of our listeners said. Hey, I really appreciate what Mike and Ari and the crew introducing me to these Saw movies, but you know, I'm really enjoying the shows, but I'm not going to return to like to these movies again. Which A reminded me of like my dating life in the 20s. Like, we'll try it, but we're not coming back for seconds. But just this idea that like people enjoy the show or like I normally wouldn't watch these movies, but because I want to listen to you guys, like I will check them out. Like that is the second highest compliment that you can give our show, which I really appreciate. It was a really nice compliment. Yeah. The highest compliment you could give us is giving us your money, which you can do by going to Patreon. What a segue. You can do that by going to <laughs> Patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum and become a subscriber today for more bonus content and really help pay for like the hosting and recording and whatnot. It is, you know, Kind of, I don't want to say it's critical. I'll do this thing until I die, probably. Like, why not? But it goes a long way to helping out. And we do have some great uh, bonus stuff up there for you as well. So patreon.com slash pod in the pendulum. Uh, you can find uh, myself at Mike underscore Snoonian uh, over on Twitter. For now, although like slowly migrating everything to Blueski at just Mike Snoonian. You can find me at Instagram at Mike Chump. Ch- uh, sorry, Mike under. You know, I think it's Mike underscore Snoonian at Instagram. I think that's what it is. And Mike Chump Change at Letterbox. And I will have some like Instagram stuff up. I don't post there a lot, but I've got some like pictures and videos from the recent Jawbreaker show. And one is for the listeners. Because I went pretty hard at Swifties last episode, especially adult males in their 40s at Swifties losing their mind. And in fairness, I did the thing last night where I recorded about 30 seconds of me and my family dancing and singing along to Jawbreaker. So I felt like that was fair. Me singing along to Sluttering from May 4th from Dear You because goddamn, that band is the greatest fucking band to ever watch the earth and they're my happy place. So if you want to see me make an ass of myself, then there you go. We'll be back next week with the Empire Strikes Back of the second trilogy <laughs> year for Saw movies, like yeah. Saw 6, which I think 5, 6, and 7 are the trilogy, and 4 is a bridge, and mm-hmm. Saw 6 is like a particularly strong entry. I really enjoy it. I think it's going to be a great discussion, um, and I'm really, really looking forward to breaking that down with y'all next week. So we'll be back 
And I, Ari, are we going to do some quick thoughts on Saw 10 for the patron? We got to. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So for patrons, you'll get like our Insta thoughts on Saw 10, probably like Saturday morning or afternoon, something we're going to record pretty quickly. So spoiler free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't believe that Jigsaw was Luke's father all along. Like nothing like that. The, the reveal will be like Jigsaw is Amanda's dad and everybody will be like, what the fuck? If I, I will crack my laptop in half if that happens. <laughs> All right. We're out. Have a great week, everybody.